What's up, Internet friends, and welcome to another episode of the PlayStation Plus Game Club. I am your host, Kevin Garaventa, and this is a show where we pick one game from the PlayStation Plus library and break it down for your entertainment, information, and amusement. This time, we are talking about Inscription, developed by Daniel Mullins Games and published by Devolver Digital. It was first released on PC in 2021 and then on other platforms over the course of 2022 and 2023. It sounds very strange when I try to describe Inscription, but it's a game where you are playing a card game against some sort of faceless entity across a table in a dark cabin. Other odd things happen where sometimes characters in the cards start to talk to you, or your opponent asks you to get something from somewhere else in the room, which then leads you to get up and discover a hidden item or card that can gain you an advantage in the next match. If you think that sounds weird, just wait, because it gets a lot weirder. And to help us go down that rabbit hole is returning PS Plus Game Club member Jordan Vickers. Welcome back. Hey, uh, thanks for having me back, Kevin. I really can't wait to talk about this game. Well, I'm, I'm really glad you picked it, because... I, I don't know if I would have gotten around to, to finishing this game or even playing it just from what it looked like, but I was curious. So I really appreciate you picking this game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And um, we'll get into a like stop right here for spoiler section. But everything he said, if you are into card games and a little bit of like puzzle solving mechanics, stop right now. Just download <laughs> this game and play it because it, it is one of those games. The less, you know, the more rewarding everything is. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, it is definitely a spooky vibe game, but I really wouldn't say horrific, like no giant jump scares or a uh, loud, horrible sounds. Although the sound design in here is great. It is. It is. Uh, but yeah, it, I highly recommend if this, you're just a little bit curious, stop this podcast right now. If you haven't played it, <laughs> go for it. And then for the love of God, remember that we did this podcast and uh, well, like it, you know? Yeah, I do plan on on having uh, a very vague discussion about uh, the first part of the game, and I don't feel like there's much to spoil in that, but eventually we are going to say, like, if you are at all curious about this game, stop right now and go listen, go go play it, and then come back and listen to the rest. Because there's a lot to talk about that I do want to I, I want to discuss with you in general to to give people an idea of what this game looks like. And there were points of of like time where or I had seen screenshots of this game and got curious about it and kind of learned a little bit more and and was like, well, I, I know I shouldn't learn more if I am going to play it and I'll, I'll walk away from this. But I had no idea what it was that I was avoiding. And as as much as a couple of times I felt like I got spoiled by something. No, I knew nothing about this game and it is quite incredible. So before we start talking about all of that, Jordan, is there anything that you would like to to talk about? Any projects that you're working on? Yeah, I just launched my own um, podcast, Finish Game Review. We take a game that is 100% done as far as we know. 
Uh, granted, there could always be another remaster way down the line or whatever, but the, the point is, like, as far as we know, the last DLC, the last update is out, and it could even be a game that didn't even have an update, like an old NES game, but the finished game review, we did an episode on Hades, and we'll be doing an episode on Valkyria Chronicles this week. Hopefully it'll be out by the time this is out as well. And then next month, we are doing Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, and I am so excited. Me and Slugger, who was also a PlayStation member, he's going to talk about it with me. And uh, with the last DLC just came out, and man, this game is awesome. Yeah, I I haven't... I don't have a copy of Mario Kart myself, but uh, I do know that they have been releasing new tracks and new racers about once every three months for the past, like what, three years now? Two years. Two years. Okay, two years. It is ridiculous how much they keep adding to that game, but they've announced that their final DLC is coming out. Unless it's, it's... It's already out. It's already out. Okay. So... It's done... It's finished, and uh, if you guys haven't picked it up already, go do that. <laughs> it's finally finished. Like it, it is a finally finished game. So I'm really glad you guys are going to be talking about that. Yeah, it, seem, but, it seems um, like it's taken about uh, maybe 10 years for that game to continuously come out because it started on the Wii U. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll we'll talk all about that next month. But for right now, we got. So much to talk about inscription. So much about inscription. So if you want to be part of the of an episode just like Jordan here, please email us at the PS Plus Game Club at gmail.com with game suggestions or thoughts you have about our monthly featured game. If you enjoy this episode and want to hear more, please like and subscribe to the show if you haven't already. It really helps us show up in more recommendation feeds and with our listenership and uh, just helping share, you know, what's good on the PlayStation Plus Extra Library. But let's take this rabbit hole down through Inscription. How would you describe what this game is like I have a hard time just trying to explain to somebody like how this game works. It's a card game where you you play cards against a fa- just like a faceless pair of eyes across the table in a dark room. How so do you, how would you describe this to somebody? The simplest way to really describe it is there's two main mechanics. You have the uh, card game that has a little bit of a board game element that helps you build your deck through each playthrough. It is a rogue light in that sense where you start from scratch every time you lose or whatever. However, you can get up from the playing table and then you walk around this small cabin and it is like an old school escape the room kind of vibe. Yeah. And you need to do a little bit of the board game and a little bit of the escape room. And they kind of combined in certain fun ways that we won't spoil just yet. But essentially, this turns into a mystery of what is going on. And that mystery keeps getting weirder and weirder, but not in the sense of I'm totally lost. Yeah. Or if you feel lost, it will come together. Yeah. 
So first, let's explain the card game itself that you're playing. You've got uh, a set of cards that have uh, animal pictures on them and a, a set of numbers. And then you you choose to play down these cards and these cards attack your opponent. And you, you've got like four spaces that you can play cards in. And then your cards attack the opponent and then the opponent's cards attack you. And the, there's a scale next to the card playing field that shows like who's in like the, the balance of power right now, who's doing more damage. And once enough damage is dealt to one side, the other side wins. So it's, it's kind of, it's a very simple start, but then certain cards have special abilities. Like some cards will attack two, like the two adjacent lanes instead of the, the one space ahead of them. They will, or like other ones will, instead of attacking, they'll just sit there and you can play other cards if you sacrifice that card and kill it. Uh, there are some cards that just don't have any special abilities, but just attack and they're, they're more powerful or something, but there's, there's something very simple on the surface, but then the more you play it, the more complex it becomes because you start to see what else you could do with these cards. And there are like chain reactions that you can even create with cards that help you take advantage of what's hap what's what the playing field looks like even more. Absolutely. And uh, a huge element of this game is it seems like this game seems super unfair at first. Yeah. Like any roguelike, you know? <laughs> yeah. And like any roguelike, you, you literally get to that point of, well, how am I supposed to beat that? But the beauty of this game is the more you play, the more you understand. And then there will come to a point where you yourself can become overpowered. And this guy who's you're facing with the entire game, he seems so overpowered, but you can build your deck where, no, you're the overpowered one, and it's rewarding. It's a game that wants you to break its mechanics. Yeah. What what can you say about this guy that, that doesn't spoil anything? He's just like, he's almost like a dungeon master that is sitting a, uh, across from you, and you're playing this board game with him, and... Mm -hmm he describes what's happening in the board game as if you're playing D and D. Yeah. You, you are represented by this token on this very simple map. And when you're not in battle, the, the token will move forward a bit. And there are points where the branching path will go one side or another. And you have these symbols on the map along the way. Yeah. Each symbol represents a different thing. One could represent a battle, and the others are different ways you can upgrade or gain new cards. Yeah. These spaces, they do different things depending like depending on, on what the image is when you land on it. And what's what's very frustrating at first is that the game doesn't tell you what any of these spaces are. You just have to like go there and see like, well, what's going to happen? Oh, this is a sacrificial altar. I'm going to have to sacrifice one of my cards. Great. So like you, I had no idea the first time I, I happened upon that, that symbol on the space, but I was like, well, I don't know what that does, but I'm going to go check it out. And it could either harm or hinder your performance or your progress further. So like, you know, there's in it, just like in any other roguelike, the game doesn't tell you what things are until it's too late. Oftentimes they just let you try things out and you get to see what happens. 
Correct. And there, I think there's like seven, maybe eight different icons. There's not a whole lot. And by the time of your second playthrough, maybe third, you'll realize what most of them do. Yeah. Which is, so it's not overbearing on like, oh, what does this one do again? They're not, they're also very simplified. They're uh, usually once when you do it once or twice, you get it. You understand. Yeah. Okay. That's what that space does. Yeah. I, I think the, the last one that I happened upon was the mushroom. And I was just like, well, what does the mushroom do? <laughs> like, let's okay. Well, let's find out. And then as soon as I saw what it was, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to forget that. That was pretty cool. Um, but also there is an escape room style game attached to this as well. So if you end up losing a match against this opponent, he will tell you to get up and go get a candle. And this is the first time you've realized you can get up from the table and moving around the, this, this room is pretty simple because it, it controls a little bit more like mist did where you can't just move anywhere within the room. You have a set amount of space that you can move from one position to the next. And then when you turn and try to interact with something, there's only a few things that you can interact with. So because of that structure, because there's just very little that you can interact with, that makes the escape room function of this, this game a lot easier because you know what you can interact with and there isn't much ambiguity in terms of what works in this room and what doesn't. Yeah. And there are some really simple clues at first at like what to do and we won't spoil them, but if you figure out like, well, what am I supposed to do? If you just look a little bit, you might see a random number somewhere and you'd be like, okay, yeah, I think I know what to do with this number immediately. Or maybe one of the cards happens to start talking to you. And after he makes fun of you and, and the bad plays that you're doing, he might tell you like, Oh, you could find the combination to this safe over here. Go look. Yeah. You know, it, it, it is one of those things where like the the card game itself starts to influence the escape room and the escape room starts to influence your card game when you go go in that that one spot and like unlock something new that you can play with. Like it might be another talking card that also starts to talk to you and tell you more things about the game. Yeah. And um, another interesting element the the guy whatever he is mm-hmm. he just stays there yeah. he doesn't get up he doesn't harm you you can't harm him and he's always staying in shadow this is a really dark cabin and you can you can literally be right next to the guy look right at him and you'd be like i don't know what you are yeah i have no yeah. clue what's funny too is when he tells you to go get up and and go get the candle he will say don't touch anything else and then you can walk around the room and touch everything and, and interact with everything. Yeah. And he he just like if you open something up and like find like find an item in a drawer, he'll say like, oh, yeah, bring that over here. Yeah, let's play, let's play with that. We can add that to your collection or whatever. So he doesn't seem to mind. He just tells you, like, don't touch anything. And then you can go and and get everything you need. Uh, and the whole time he's just sitting there watching you. So it's it's still kind of creepy because you just see this dark pair of eyes over in the corner of the room. And you're just like, I can take this, this knife. This is cool. Okay. What happens if you end up losing a match again? Cause this is something that I definitely do want to talk about. Well, 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> this is the, this is well, minor. I'm, this is a minor spoiler, but this is a this minor is something, spoiler. This is something that I do think it would give people a better idea of like how this game feels, like really what the the mood is of this game. When when you lose another match, he takes one of those candles on the candelabra and extinguishes it, and yeah. you're just kind of like, well, okay, that that's bad. I know that I, if I lose both candles, this is going to be really bad probably. And if you lose both, if you lose two matches, but, and by the way, if you lose one match, you can continue on the board game. You don't have to retry the match, which I really appreciate. Yeah. But, and there are boss levels in this game. Once when you beat a boss, he'll immediately, once you reach a boss, he'll immediately extinguish your candles to just one. Yeah. So if you have two, he'll extinguish one, but in trade for that, he'll give you a bonus card called the smoke. Yeah. Yeah. If Which... you're just down to one, he leaves you totally alone. <laughs> if you beat the boss, he lights a candle. Yeah. He, so you're back to two. Yeah. And the most you can have is two, but if you lose them both. He ends up, uh, he extinguishes both candles and then he reaches across the table and the screen goes black. And then the next thing you see is him pulling you through a doorway, which is the only doorway in the cabin, pulling you through the doorway into this room that has a flickering light. And then he uh, has you create your own playing card with its own stats and you get to name it. And then he takes a picture of you and that kills your character. And that's the end of the game, or at least the end of your run. Then you start off all together with a brand new character and it doesn't let you know what you just made with that card. No, you figure it out later when you realize at one of those parts where you can uh, pick up a card and add it to your deck. Uh, it'll sometimes pop up and be like, wait a minute, that's the card I made earlier. And once one that clicks, you're like, okay, so if I die. I should pick out the best options possible. I should, I should try and make the most overpowered card I can get because that gives me a better chance in the next run. Uh, And what's really funny is when you start the next run sitting across the table, he just says, well, another challenger. I hope this is a better person than the last one. By the way, he, this, this character is not voiced at all. He just uh, like his voice is a sound effect that sounds like it's from uh, one of the old Apple II computers it it sounds very uh it's like deep and it's grunty and that's the the sound of his voice and and it's, it's an aesthetic that really adds to the the atmosphere it's pretty cool yeah uh like we said earlier the sound design in here is very very interesting uh you're not quite sure because like the other thing about this game, everything looks super gritty. Like the graphics aren't really that good, mm-hmm. but that's on yeah. purpose. Like you walk around the cabin and everything just seems really very off. And uh, yeah, but it, the cards themselves are very well detailed in such a strange way. Yeah. That, uh, Again, it it meshes in a very cool way that you're like, it adds to the mystery of what the hell is going on here. Yeah, 
it, it's like almost everything, even though you're playing in a first person view, everything is still slightly pixelated. Like it is, yeah. it is being seen through some sort of filter. So it, again, like the aesthetic is very strange, but I do think that maybe like, let's talk about what one of those bosses looks like. Just the first one, the prospector. And like to give you to give people an idea of like you know what is a what does a boss mean in a card game? He's this uh, first of all the the opponent takes out a mask and puts it on, and then as a D, like as a true D and D master, he will you know start Act to out. embody this character that he is now playing, and you have to fight this this guy called the Prospector, who will send out cards of his own. And then, uh, like, start saying things like, there's gold in them cards. And after you beat him one time, uh, he will, like, smash all of your cards and turn them into gold, which then, you know, can't fight. They can't attack. And so you just kind of have to draw new cards and wait until his cards destroy yours. So then you have some open space to start playing again. Yeah, for uh, instance, normally you have to tip the scales just once fully on an opponent's side in normal matches. Yeah. Boss matches, you got to do it twice. Yeah, yeah. So in the Prospector fight, you lay down your cards and he has a special card called the Mule. The Mule actually helps you. You have to destroy the Mule and it's a pack Mule. So when you destroy it, uh, all these cards on its back will actually go into your hand automatically and help you. Yeah. They However, become ever once when you tip his cards, tip his scale all the way, it's like he said, everything in your playing field, he uh, immediately gets rid of and he puts in a boulder, which is very, very weak. It will block your defense, but not for very long. Yeah. And, you know, in, in a sense, like he'll also kill the cards that you were using that helped you win. And so it's, it's kind of a shock at first because it's just kind of, you start to think like, man, you, you're a real jerk. I just won. And, and you're, you know, saying we have to go a second round and there are, there's rocks in my way and I, I don't get my cards back. Uh, yeah. You also mentioned tipping the scales. Uh, I'm not going to say what happens, but uh, there are tools that he gives you that you can use at any point during the game to tip the scales in your favor. However, I would say that what these tools do tend to be kind of graphic. So in terms of what, like what the aesthetic is, and I don't want to say what these tools are and what they do, but in terms of like something being slightly violent, I do think like this is where, the game does kind of like skirt that line into like, this might be triggering for some people. So I don't know if uh, they don't make this very gory or bloody, but it it gives you a, Oh yeah. Ouch. I would never do that in my real life. (laughs) There there is a, there is a shock to this game. So uh, once a light shock and (laughs) once a really big, like, Oh my God can't believe that just happened sort of thing it really it really depends on what you know what your feelings are toward each but um that's that's all i think we should say about it uh and then so the prospector is this boss that you fight and then once you've beaten him 
you get a special card that is like one of the rare cards and then you move on to a new place where uh the your opponent is saying you know that you have uh left the forest now you're entering uh the swamp area and he describes like there are flies buzzing everywhere you can smell the putrid water over in the distance and it's like it, it's great how he describes and illustrates this other world that you're not seeing at all you're just seeing the map yeah and um well the thing is is there any last things you want to talk about before we pull off the spoiler warning? Cause we are I, pretty much I think, there. I think we're there. So the only other thing I want to know is how would you rate this game? Unless if you are super, super squeamish, I mean like very squeamish. Yeah. Um, I would definitely, this is worth your money. Yeah. Um, even if you don't have PlayStation plus, like I bought it on the PC uh, originally I had a great time. Oh, I should warn you. <laughs> if you play this on the PC, do not stream this game. If you have some things on your computer, <laughs> the, let's just keep it at that. I I'd recommend, um, I recommend just, uh, you know, playing, playing this on PlayStation or yeah, just yeah. playing this on, on your PC, but you know, be aware that you are playing it on your computer at that point and that's all i should say uh but yeah i have to agree with you this is definitely um definitely worth trying out if you've got playstation plus i thought it was interesting at first but it really took me like with many roguelikes it took me a few tries to really start to like what it was i was playing and before then i was just kind of curious and i thought well this is the game we're playing for the month all right but after a few runs, it was kind of like, oh, no, I really do want to find out what's happening here because I know that people have said this is getting this is going to get really weird. Yeah. And yeah. if you get into it and you do feel stuck, Google is really good at typing out like what your specific problem. Like, what do I do at this point without giving you the straight answer without spoiling things ahead. Yeah. So yeah. Don't be afraid to go to a guide if you really feel like you need to. Or if you see something in the game and you want to know like, Hey, what does this do? Like, because I'm not entirely sure what, like I have this, but what, I don't know what it's for. You can Google it and probably there avoid is spoilers. Yeah. There is one item in particular. I think they should have done a better job of hinting on how to use it. Yeah, that is kind of mandatory for the game. Yeah. But other than that, uh, this game's great. Yeah. I freaking love yeah. it. So before we start to to jump into spoilers, uh, I want to have a very quick actual books and more recommendations for this book club style podcast. Uh, are there any games that you can think of that take a major turn that anyone just starting to play could never predict? Doki Doki Literature Club. <laughs> yes, that that is definitely one. Um, also, uh, had a full boyfriend in that same vein. Uh, definitely yeah. goes a direction I wouldn't expect. Yeah, it, something of that type of vibe, except probably a little bit less extreme on the uh, on the graphic violence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This definitely goes places. Yeah, yeah. And when you are done, you will probably be like. What was up with that one part? Like, uh, there is another rabbit hole that we can talk about later on that uh, you will 
uh, probably just go straight to YouTube and be like, well, what was up with that? And you will get answers and you will be shocked at what you see. I am shocked that you said just another rabbit hole and not another 10 rabbit holes because this <laughs> it, seriously, it goes places, but uh, anything else that you're reading or watching or playing that you'd like to recommend? A uh, buddy of mine just gave me the biggest book of my life that I just finished. Uh, it's called Shogun by James Clavell. Okay. It is a alternate history about uh, the first Englishman who went to Japan. And there is an FX series coming out in a couple of months. There's, the, there's a trailer for it already. It looks gorgeous. Oh, this nice. okay. book is over 1,100 pages, though, and it took me over 50 hours to listen to it on Audible. Oh, man. Okay. That sounds like it. I often think about uh, some books being like an entire season of TV, and it sounds like this one is like three seasons of TV all in one book. Oh, it easily could be. Wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, speaking of books turned into TV shows, I, I just finished the first book in the Expanse series. Uh, that one's called Leviathan Wakes. And uh, man, it is it is really cool. Uh, I don't remember much from the, the TV series, but I remember liking it. And it felt like every time I got to a specific plot point, I would suddenly remember like, like oh yeah, this was in the show. And so that, that was really cool. Great book. Highly recommend reading that one. Uh, especially if you're into things like Game of Thrones, but also in space. Uh, next month, we are going to be talking about something uh, a bit more fun, and it is going to be Guardians of the Galaxy. Looks like we're going to be closing out the year with uh, a blockbuster. So hope you have some fun playing that. Uh, Jordan, have you played Guardians of the Galaxy yet? I have not. It's on my to-do list. Yeah. And man, what a to-do list I've got. <laughs> oh, oh, it's so been one of the best years of games. I can't wait to see how many games will be on Jeff Keighley's uh, uh, nomination list this year. Okay. I think the so. the estimate I have going for it is probably around the 20s. So um, <laughs> <laughs> there's so many. So, oh, my God. Uh, all right. Before we jump into spoilers, uh, remember that if you want to be part of the PlayStation Plus Game Club, please, again, write in to psplusgameclub at gmail.com with any thoughts you have about our monthly game or any suggestions you have for a future game. With all of that out of the way, though, let's really dive into spoilers about Inscription. So once we get to the second boss, you die, game over. Hey, great podcast. <laughs> the second boss is the angler. And if you beat him quickly enough, like if you just have really good cards, he straight up just sends out a bunch of powerful cards to kill you. And that's the end. It's one of those things where it's like, no, you're getting too good. You need to take a step back. Okay. What you're describing <laughs> is that is if you get to him, in the first couple of times 
the sad thing is you can't beat this game your first run, even if you go back and know what you're doing. I've tried. I've been this game multiple times. <laughs> you actually need to die, I think, twice before you can actually get to the final boss. Otherwise, you just flat out won't let you. And that is a mark against the game. I wish you could, because I really don't see any reason why you shouldn't. And uh, we'll get to that part later on. But yeah. as for the angler himself, if you play him normally, his first gimmick is he has these cards. Its gimmick is they dive underwater, so you can't attack the cards directly. Right. Um, and that has its pros and cons to it in itself. Uh, but once when you get to a second phase, the cards that are on the table, he'll place this thing called a chum bucket in front of each card. And if you hit that bucket, what happens is a shark, which is really powerful, takes its place. Yeah. And that also dives underwater, so you can't kill it immediately. Yeah. And the trick is, how do I damage this thing without touching the bucket? And the problem is, when you attack, you attack with all the cards on the table. You don't get to pick and choose, well, this one attacks, this one doesn't. They all, whatever's played out there, will attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I told you this happened uh, on Discord because you were just asking, like, yeah. "Hey, what, what's going? Like, how are you liking it?" And I told you, like, <laughs> "Well, like, I got to this guy, and then uh, there were a bunch of uh, bait buckets that I knocked over by accident because you know my cards were already on the table, and I got killed by sharks." So you're like, "Hey, you know, try some flying things next time." And so yeah, you gotta you gotta have cards that fly. So they, instead of attacking the cards directly in front of them, they fly over them and attack your, your opponent directly. And like, that's, that's how you beat the second boss. So that's something that I appreciate about how specifically roguelikes set you up where you can get to the bot to a certain point and be really powerful, but in the wrong way. And you end up just getting knocked back down because you're not you haven't invested in the specific thing that will let you get past that one point. Yeah. Going back to like the mechanics and everything. Like one thing I think you kind of forgot, you, you, you briefly touched upon it, but how you play a card is like almost everything has a cost and you literally use creatures. You already have in your playing field to use that cost. So example, like, a bear is your highest cost, and it costs four blood. So what that means is each creature counts as one blood. Mm-hmm. So you need four cards to sacrifice on the playing field before you can play that card. Yeah, yeah. And you essentially have two decks. You have your main deck, and then you have these free zero attack, one defense squirrels that are absolutely free. They don't cost anything to lay down, and you can only draw one of those per turn or one of your main deck per turn. Yeah, but then you can also get cards that have these special abilities, and one of them that I got very early on was the the cat. And if you have a cat, what you can do is play a squirrel, and then sacrifice that squirrel, and the cat costs one sacrifice. So then you play the cat, and the cat's special ability is that it doesn't die when it gets sacrificed. So now you've got a cat on the board, and in the same turn, then I play 
like I can play Whoa, something else, a- like you know, another squirrel, and then I sacrifice the squirrel and the cat, and the cat stays there on the board and it comes back to life, and I can play down a wolf. And now the cat allows me to play other stuff that is a high cost at a lower cost. So it it, it is uh what's described in, in many card games as like a ramp card because it lets you ramp up your energy faster than normal. There is another currency you get called bones and how you collect bones is every time a one of your card dies or an opponent, you automatically get one bone and that counts as a sacrifice. Yeah. So I don't think there, if I remember right, there are no cards that require in the main game. We'll talk about that later. Uh, (laughs) Uh, there are no cards that be like, well, this costs three blood and two bone. It's either blood or bone, which yeah. is very, very nice. Yeah. So like, you know, the and more, the more cards you lose, the more potential you have on playing a card that costs bones, because then you, you have like this extra currency that you can then turn around and turn into an advantage for yourself. And this is a pro tip. If you're kind in the middle of the game or you want to go back, I had to look this up, but you will Always, always start each round with a card that costs one. Yeah. And that can be really helpful to know if you're doing what they call Casey's mod. Mm -hmm. Because uh, what that means is whatever that one card that costs one, I better make sure it's damn important because I know I will immediately get in my hand every single time I I, uh, start. Yeah, that was something that I, I actually only learned last night when I was looking up a couple of other videos for this game. And uh, had I known that earlier, it would have probably helped me build my decks a lot better because uh, a handful of times, there would be times where I'd have a really good one cost card and then never draw it because I was always starting in my hand with other one cost cards. Yeah. Like it's very tempting to get your deck full of one cost cards And you would say to yourself, well, bears are good, but they're so expensive. If you can play your cards right, literally, (laughs) you can pull bears like they're no tomorrow. Uh, A great example for that, there's a goat, which costs one. Mm -hmm. But if every time you sacrifice a goat, it is worth three. Yeah. And if there are spots on the table, one of these spots is you can sacrifice one card's ability and give it to another. So like what you said with the cat, if you give the goat a cat's ability, you immediately, instead of just sacrificing uh, one each turn and it automatically turns it up again, you can do three. And that is a huge game changer. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's not, that's a combination I had never thought of, but as soon as you said it, I thought like, Oh, now that's a hell of a ramp card right there. Because oh, yeah. you can you can pretty much like do whatever you want, and as long as you keep the goat alive, you are sac- you're getting three sacrificial blood drops every turn, no matter what. Uh but like that that is a, a great point. Anyway, let, let's talk about the third boss really quick. The trapper. Oh, Trapper's so, probably the easiest boss in the game. Yeah. It's ironic because his first phase is harder than his second phase. And his music is one of the best in the game because <laughs> it's what I would describe um, uh, ASMR for the uh, torturedly tortured soul. <laughs> yeah, 
So he he sends out these mechanical frogs that when you kill them, they turn into bear traps, which will kill whatever is attacking it. And so you pretty much are guaranteed to lose the cards that you use to win in this round. And then when they die, you get pelts, which then you can trade with the trapper and he will trade pelts for powerful cards that he has just played on the board and they're completely randomized. So some of these cards like might have really good stats, but they also might have abilities that just do not match what they can do whatsoever. And so like they, like if you were to have them in your hand, they would be useless as far as playing a card. So they are completely random as far as uh, what these cards are. But however many pelts you've got in your hand, you can trade those in to the trapper and buy some of those cards from him that he has just played down and make the game a little bit easier. So ironically, yeah. the worse you do in the first round, the easier it probably will be in the second round, which is hilarious to think about. Correct. Uh, the, the strategy is uh, take cards from his first row so you can attack him directly. Yeah. And if you do that, most of the time in the first round, you hit that bell game over. He already lost. <laughs> Done. Yeah. Yeah. What happens after you beat the trapper? So what happens after you beat the trapper? Uh, the music goes really spooky and uh, even the lighting changes and you get this strange map that you is totally different from the others. You literally see four options in front of you and behind that is a cabin and you're like, okay, I know a final boss area when I see one. Yeah. And you pick one of the last four options to this is your last chance to uh, upgrade, do whatever you want with your cards. Yeah. And then you go to the cabin and the prospect changes. The board is gone and it might take you a while to realize you can walk forward. You are outside in the woods walking toward the cabin. It is. It, it was one of those moments where I was just kind of like, oh, shit's really going sideways now. And again, I had no idea. I was scratching the surface at this point. But you get to walk toward the cabin. And as you're you're almost there, the the opponent rises up out of the ground as a giant in front of the moon that is back behind the cabin. And he reaches out and hands you this board that has on it special abilities that you can then choose to use while you're fighting him. You know, you, you have to like pass a test to take some of these, but when you do, these are things that can almost break the game in terms of giving you an advantage. It They, they are that powerful. The first time I did it, I had, I, I think the, the one ability to just draw twice and, and I thought, okay, well that's pretty great. Um, and then the second ability I got was, uh, cause you can get two. The second one I got was to just choose the card from your deck that you want to draw, which is, you know, basically cheating, Broken. I think, but <laughs> it's like, yes. okay, great. Now I, I can just pick my favorite card out of here and try and beat him before we, we actually start yeah. talking about this fight. Should we talk about some of the best cards that we, we had in this first part? 
it's Mantis God all the way around. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. He attacks three ways, and <laughs> that alone can be really powerful. So, like, so, he's he's got uh he's got one health and one attack power, but the ability itself is what's really the the huge advantage. So what had happened was for me at least, like this is how I got here, was I ended up getting uh like getting killed and you you get to make your own card. And the one that I made was a one cost, like a single sacrifice one. And it had the the Mantis God three attack ability with it. Yeah. But then it had a three power with it as well. So that so that means that nine damage. I, it will do nine damage uh, as long as all three of those lanes are clear. But yeah, you know, even if they're not clear, it will probably kill whatever it is that's there. So and we should have said this earlier. It takes five hit points if you're starting from the middle of the scale. Yeah. To defeat an opponent. Yeah. So just having having just two of those hits will knock him out. And then like whatever you've got, le- whatever damage is left over, you get uh, in like a currency that lets you like buy other stuff and like buy new cards. But there's also the items like we, we should also talk about the items that you can use along the way, because, you know, we were we were alluding to them being a little violent. He gives you a, a, over the course of the game, he gives you a pair of pliers and says, you can add weight to the scale using this. Now, if you were paying <laughs> attention, yeah, you would realize the the things that he are weighing the scales with is gold teeth. Yeah, yeah, and he says, "Well, guess what? You're going to use." When he you says, use those pliers. <laughs> "I knew right away because he said the pain is temporary, but re- but the advantage is good, or something like that." And something like that. So yeah. I, I was like, "Well, okay, so I know." that I'm going to be pulling a tooth out uh, to then drop onto the scale. So that's pretty horrible. Uh, oh, and, and the sound effect. Oh, it's and... it's just so painful sounding. And my wife, when when I said that, like, yeah, um, you should leave the room because I'm going to do this. She was like, what? And, and I said, yeah, uh, I think this is going to happen. I to pull my teeth out. <laughs> so that adds like one point to the scale and you still need like four more to, to win, but you can also add weight using another thing. So late in the, the escape room, you can find a dagger and this dagger will also allow you to add weight to the scale. And I couldn't think like, Oh wait, what is that? What, what is that going to do? Oh, well, like, so in the last boss fight, I, realize like oh i really need some weight on this scale otherwise i'm going to lose right now uh so i'll use that just as a last ditch effort your character takes the dagger and Mm. plucks their own eye out and puts it on the scale we should say as graphic as this is both times of these things are very very quick but it's it is a shock because i i I was just like oh my god no way like i can't believe that i did that but then What's hilarious, too, is that after you do that, the entire right side of the screen is dark and you've got a blind yeah. spot. And so it's and a lot it's harder a to just. Too. <laughs> yeah. It, and it's just harder to play it. And yeah. so I'm just like, God damn it. Like, like what am I going to do now? And and uh, I was messaging you uh, while I was in the middle of that fight. 
and you had said like, well, have you used the dagger yet? And I was like, well, yeah, I just did. I mean, I'm in the final fight and I didn't know what was going to happen after this. Uh, if I was going to continue on through the rest of the entire game with this character, I had to ask, am I going to go through the whole goddamn game with just one eye? And you're like, no, I just, let's just see what happens. Okay. So then, uh, you, you start this fight by the way, and this is before I had pulled an eye out, but you start the fight and the space where your opponent sits is suddenly lit and you get to see him. And he's this old guy with like what looks like moss growing out of his beard. And there are like a couple of small mushrooms and you have to fight him. And I, I feel like like part of the mystery starts to get uh, like unraveled here where suddenly you see like who you're fighting and it's just some old guy across the table, but you get to fight him. And his first round is just a bunch of cards that are kind of, they're, they're kind of tough to fight. And then he's cycling through the special abilities that all the, the other three bosses had at random. And then once you beat him the first time, he says, well, we're going to play three. Also, he started the fight by saying, we're going to have three rounds for myself. So he gives himself three candles while you still just have one. And once you extinguish that first candle of his, the fight changes and he lays out all of the death cards that you have created over the course of playing the game. Yes. Ones that you have not picked up this round. Yeah. All of those times that I had been trying to beat the game and thought, okay, well, I'll make the most powerful card I can to give myself an advantage the next time. Those are now coming back and biting me in the ass. And he's using them against me. And I thought, this jerk, oh my God, I can't believe he's doing this. But you can use the cards that you have and try and take advantage of of some of the items you might have left over, like the dagger that I did. And you can overcome his death cards that he's playing against you that you made and beat him in the second round. And what happens in this third round? Oh my God. So just for a little bit of a thing, you do it doesn't dawn on you, but for ambience, he puts the literal moon behind him. Yeah. And he's stopped. He's like, you know, I didn't think you would make it this far. So I got nothing planned. And he's like, wait a minute. He takes a picture of the moon and the moon becomes a plane card and it has 40 health <laughs> and you can't fly over it. I don't think you can fly over it. No, I could be wrong on that. No, you can't. It will do one damage to each of your cards plus you if you have no cards per turn. Yeah. So it's a it's a thing of endurance and it's and this is interesting because there's one mechanic we haven't talked about. What happens when you have no more cards? You start or to... you can't draw any cards, I should say, because you could have them all in your hand. Yeah. But if you can't draw anymore, you'll lay down this thing called starvation. Starvation cannot be beaten or anything. Uh, and starvation gets a bit more powerful each turn. You do not have a card. I never ran into this. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So it lays down starvation. And then it'll lay down another starvation until it's all full. And if you have four starvation on the on the 
thing, you're probably going to lose. Yeah. He lays them uh, down in your playing field, like in your lane. Well, I'm he lays them down in his playing field. On the moon one, I'm not entirely sure. Okay. I think he does lay them down in your in your field. Okay. So the last bit really is a more of a match of endurance like can you beat this massive behemoth and then do 5 damage to him? Yeah. Yeah. And it's not as hard as it sounds. No. But no. especially if uh, you've gotten this far with really good cards, you probably have yeah. a few good ones to to use. But yeah. You beat him and he gives you like this pile of what looks like just a pile of meat and with a, it's a, a candle pile of in it. shit <laughs> it very well could have been yes <laughs> with a candle sticking out of it and then there's there's a voice that you hear that just sounds like any any random guy just says oh i just think i beat him and then there's suddenly just a voice suddenly the a camera changes the camera gets it. knocked over as if like yeah this 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 game was being recorded on a video screen and then like it goes black, like, like whatever camera was recording this broke and the screen loads up a set of video files that you can watch. And suddenly like, this is, this is where like, like in lost where suddenly the hatch was opened and you're just like, what the hell is going on? What is down there? And the, the set of videos is from some guy who is a content creator. We don't get his name at this point. So at this point, I was just referring to him as Steve, but these videos are of him unwrapping card packs uh, for a tabletop card games. And he opens one that is a vintage card game called Inscription and finds latitude and longitude coordinates on them. And then in another video, he goes out, uh, like follows the coordinates and digs up a buried box that has a floppy disk disk in it. And it has the game inscription on it. And this yeah. is the point where you realize like, oh, we are Steve. We are playing this game right now. And that this is this is really odd. What the fuck is that? Oh, my God, you guys, I can't believe it. There's actually something here. can back out of the the video menu screen and go back and just like continue playing the game and the the opponent just ends up uh like bringing you into that room again and killing you but right before he does you can pick up the camera and just pretend to take a picture of him and uh he's like well uh, like you know you think that would do anything whatever if you at some point and this is your your clue that you kept hinting at, like you should use the dagger earlier. So if at any point during the game you've used the dagger and Gaz... That's not the final battle fight. That's key here. Yeah. At any point, if you use the dagger and gouged out your eye, he will offer you, after the match is over, if you've won, he will offer you a replacement eye. Out of this box mm-hmm. of like 10 different glass eyes, there's one that has a bunch of sigils on it. And if you stick that in, you suddenly get clues about what to do uh, around the room because you can see highlighted 
like lettering or, or marks wherever things should go. And you can end up finding this lost film canister. And if you if you have the canister of film and you've beaten him, you can put the film in the camera. And that is how you take down your opponent for good. There is one giant thing we totally skipped on. And that is what happens at the very beginning, the start, the first time you play this game. Yeah. You notice there is continue game and then there is new game. New game, for whatever reason, is unaccessible. You cannot click on it. You must continue someone else's game, which is which is his name. You'll find this out very shortly. Yeah. And that that flashing light that happens every time he takes you to this back room, you turn and it's the sigil for new game. Yeah. And you pick it up and you have to restart your game and new game is available. And when you do it, you get this old loading coding, like old school as if you were playing an old disc game Mm -hmm. and what happens (laughs) you were playing a whole nother game out of nowhere yeah this is uh it's almost like as if someone took the game that we were just playing and put it on the, the old nintendo entertainment system and now this is inscription as if it was a demake down to being released in tw- in like uh 1985 and you are now playing a very small Zelda like RPG with card battling. So, yeah. The game now opens up and this is a new game that we are playing called Inscription. There is a land uh that you are traversing and exploring. There are four scribes that have created these cards. And they are, uh, they're Gamora, Leshy, P03, and Magnificus. Gamora is the scribe of the dead. She creates her cards by inscribing the epitaphs on the dead, uh, of the dead with her quill. Uh, and her cards are based on bones and they cost bones to play. So I, I'm going to read through all of them just to give you an idea of, uh, what they are. And then, so that's Gamora. There's Leshy, who you were just fighting. Uh, He is the scribe of beasts. He creates his cards by taking pictures of animals with his wildlife camera. Cards costs are based on sacrificing other cards. There's P03. He's the scribe of technology. He creates his cards by copying the CPUs of robots with its particle scanner. Uh, Card costs are based on energy buildup. And finally, there's Magnificus. He's the scribe of magics. He creates his cards based by painting his wizard pupils with his brush. He paints portraits and those turned into cards. Card costs are based on gem cards that must be played on the board. So we now have not one, but four different card types and card economies to learn and figure out. This is like, like the game... While it looked like it became a lot simpler, it became much more complex because these cards can then get mixed and matched between them. They can get uh, like they they can power up other cards that are a different type. Uh, There's so much more happening now or that can that can happen in the game. 
And it that's, this is where like the complexity just really unfolds. Yeah. And this really does play out less like a mystery part. And that's by design because the more you play this, the more you realize this was the original product and it makes you wonder what happened. Yeah. Uh, like what, what happened to like the point where what I was playing before, what, what made it turn into that? And the funny thing is the more you play around this area, the more you recognize people. The first thing you'll recognize in Leshy's area, those bosses you face are actual characters. Yeah. And you fight against them and they're much more simpler in this version. This part is actually not a roguelike. I should say that uh, you keep whatever cards you have and you just build a deck. Right. And, and you're already familiar with two of these playstyles. You're familiar with bones and you're familiar with beast. Yeah. The electronic and the magic take some getting used to, especially the magic. The magic is weird. <laughs> uh, and it's the one I chose to play and I kind of regretted it. Turns out electric and bones are kind of the real OPs of this miniature game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how, how electric works is you start off with one electricity per game and it raises per round to right. a max of six, I think, or five, six or five. And uh, that is your currency for electric. But I won't get into magic or anything like that. But, uh, <laughs> I did the same. Uh, so like I, yeah. I, I started I started with magic because I felt like, oh, it's a new deck. It's a new type. Let's learn this. And it, it was like the most complex of the four different card types to learn because you have to like figure out what cards you need for your deck. And there are like three different gem colors that you have to play some and like each each card only is playable with one specific gem color. So you might draw one like a green gem, but your cards need a red gem to play. So you're like, well, crap, what am I going to do with this? And yeah. you, you can't do anything. So then uh, you really have to figure out how to build your deck. The The minimum you can have is 20 cards, but like you might not have cards that really match up the, the strategy that you want to try and use. You also can can like gain new cards in this area, in this land by exploring and fighting other other characters, but you gain them at random. And so you might just yeah, have they're like card packs. Yeah, you might just have really bad luck just getting new cards. And so like you, you can go to like, you know, the bridge builder and, and talk to her. And she says that like, you know, Hey, you could have this, this card pack and see if that helps. And so you're like, Oh, thanks Rebecca. You know, we'll see what I get. And you get like two magic cards that you can't use because you don't know how these work. And then a couple other, like one technology card that is, it might be like your only tech card. And because of that, you can't really like find a way to fit it well into your game or into your deck. And so it is really hard to use. And I decided like, well, I wonder if I could just restart this because I'm not having a great time with this deck and I, I just need better cards. I need different cards. So I restarted the game and you can walk around this world and you can talk to the characters again. And I ran into the bridge builder, Rebecca again. This was like a, a great fourth wall breaking moment where she says that like, I get it. You want to try out some different cards, but remember when you reset the game, I have to start over too. Cause she's building the bridge. 
And that, <laughs> I I got to that. I've never done that. <laughs> I got to that and I laughed really hard enough that like my wife came into the room and was like, what? And I, I just, I had to explain to her and you know she didn't think it was that funny, but just the idea of like these characters are sentient of your actions and, and the game that they are in is uh, something that is kind of telling for the rest of the game. You can also meet up with uh, some of the other characters like the, the fur trader from the first part of the game. She is just like off in a secret area that you might not even find. She says something about, I know that this game has been like redone or reset, but the old data is still here. And it is something that we can never get rid of. She knows something is amiss. Something is going on that, you know, is is somewhat sinister. But we never really get an idea of what that is until much later. So you fight the four scribes. Wh- which scribe did you go after first? I think I went after Gamora first. Yeah. Because you're only, you can only pick between Leshy or Gamora starting out. Yeah. And when you fight Gamora, her cards are based on bones and she ends up uh, having cards that can be resurrected and they return to her hand after they're killed. And she plays them again two turns later. So like each of these scribes have some odd superpower that is not that difficult to face, but it's still interesting in it. It changes the way you fight. I think the the first one I went after was Leshy, uh, the scribe of beasts. And uh, in his fight, he just replaces your hand with amalgam cards after you beat him the first time. So those amalgam cards are just a bunch of cards that have no abilities. And it's kind of like, well, I guess, you know, I, I got to try and pull better cards uh, from the ones that I didn't have uh, after I beat him the first time. After you beat two scribes, the there's a message that pops up on screen that uh, the memory is full and whoever is recording this has to like change out the memory card. And that means we get another set of videos to watch. Steve's name is actually Luke Carter. He is uh, also known online as the Lucky Carter. That's his his persona. And he he does a lot of videos about uh, opening cards for for playing card games. He's been unable to find any information online about an inscription computer game, but he's reached out to the company that made the card game and they send someone to his house to investigate it. Or so we think. I think this woman's actually from Game Funa. She came to my door yesterday and I didn't answer. This time I'm going to record it. Hi! Hi there! Hey. I'm floppy disk for a game called Inscription. I was told you came by a copy of it somehow. Uh. Sound familiar? No! No? No, I don't know anything about that. Inscription, you said? Yes. No, I don't think so. Really? Because, um, apparently you emailed us about it. You are a Luke Carter, right? Oh. You know the luckycartergmail.com? Yeah, uh, you know what? That's, uh, I am Luke Carter, but that's not my email address. Really? Because, uh, I just know it is because I've seen your videos. Oh. <laughs> I'm a big fan. Oh. Well. <laughs> Thanks for watching. 
Listen, uh, how do you know where I live, exactly? My boss gave me your address. And how did you get past the side gate? It's locked. <laughs> okay, Luke. Um, I'm going to give you my business card. And if you remember anything, anything at all, feel free to give me a call. Okay? Will do. Take care. Uh, this yeah. was, this was like a video that was, I, I was kind of creeped out by, uh, because, uh, this woman comes to the door, he records their interaction and, uh, she, she like asks him like, you know, did you, did you contact us about this kind of thing? And he's just trying to play dumb and say no. But the whole time I was watching this, I thought she stuck her foot in the door so he can't slam the door in her face if he if he has to and that i found was really creepy oh and he specifically says you had to jump over my gate to come here yeah yeah because like he does he lives in a a place that like doesn't have a front door he lives in yeah. like someone's uh mother-in-law apartment at the back of a house the, at this point i thought this is getting very like black mirror twilight zone outer limits kind of like level of a weird that set of videos just kind of leaves us leaves us with this mystery of like what really is on this disc that he has and what like what really is is it that we're playing because they are willing to to send somebody to a house to try and investigate this and it's it's like a little weird and kind of like it creeped me out yeah the only thing is i'm kind of surprised you were creeped out because the premise itself is scary. Yeah. The acting is bad. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't want to dump on this woman, but she's very stiff and like her acting's very wooden. It's like, they literally went Sarah from accounting. We, we need you for a minute. Yeah. Can you put on these glasses and coats and say these lines? Okay. Thanks. Appreciate it. It's possible. There might be a reason for that, but We'll we'll just leave it at that. So after you beat two scribes, Rebecca finishes building the bridge and she moves over to a dock near Leshy's cabin and just hangs out there. You can go talk to her and uh, she will give you information about some of the other the characters in the game. And it, she will talk about the scribes, especially. She points out that Leshy's the, the scribe of beasts. He's crazy. Uh, Grimora uh, of the undead thinks that you want to kill her and take over as a new scribe of the undead. Uh, Magnificus is the one for magic. He's a fine teacher. He's kind of mysterious. Uh, But she says, Pier 03, the tech scribe, he's the worst. He wants something worse than Leshy. But that's all she says. And you kind of have to just take it as it is. So, you know, whatever is going on, there is something worse than what was happening in the first act of this game. I I think like this would also be a good point to talk a little bit about what you were theorizing the first time you played it. Like, did did you have any like weird conspiracy theories halfway through this game or or what? So my train of thought 
wasn't so much guessing what was going on because everything was so weird at this point that I kind of was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to sit back and actually enjoy the ride. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, once when you get to the videos, at that point, I was like, okay, all bets are off on whatever the hell's going on. However, we did mention that some of the cards in the first part talk. Yeah. But only three do. And they also change. The stoat's like the first thing you talk to. Yeah. And it looks like a stoat. But then every time you lose, it doesn't look like a stoat anymore. It has this weird boxy square head. Yeah. And the stink bug uh, no longer looks like a stink bug. And I never got to the point where, like, what this wolf with one eye later looks into. But um, he just starts to get more and more furry looking. Yeah. And when you're playing in this part of the game, you quickly realize, hey, wait a minute. These three other scribes, those were the talking cards. Yeah. Yeah. They were turned into cards. Yeah. And you're like, okay, what the hell's going on? (laughs) And you get warning. Like you said, you get warning that. Something else is afoot. Something is afoot. Yeah. And unless she talks about like, we just wanted everyone to enjoy nature. I wanted everyone to be like a freaking stoat. Isn't that just <laughs> so honorable to live as a beast and nothing more? And yeah. Apparently three scribes didn't like that. Yeah. There's other, there's other stuff to discover here. Like, like other weird things. There is a, a secret area in Gramora's crypt that you can like dig down into you can like explore and then there is a hidden wall that uh you can walk through that uh like like the the screen that you're walking around in is just black and if you happen to walk in the right direction at the right angle you walk through the screen up to another screen that has a giant skeleton demon on it and uh, you can talk to it and it just says something uh, about the old data again, just like the, the, the trader, she like the, this demon says something. And then you overhear Luke's voice say, what the fuck? And yeah, it, it's very strange to just think like, Oh, like we are watching Luke play this game right now. Like this is what we are. We're experiencing. So Every time something gets answered, there are like five questions that are created because of that. Yeah. And uh, we won't go through like what the other areas are like. Everyone's area is super small. The only complaint I have is when you go through PO3's era, there are these puzzles that make no freaking sense (laughs) that you got to progress through. Oh, I, I was so annoyed with those. Yeah. I had to look up a guide for the last two. And we won't even try to explain them. They're they they have to do with something with adding and subtracting numbers in a way that may, is very obtuse. Yeah, but yeah. the the this portion of the game is very very simple for the most part. There are secrets to be found, but not very many. Yeah, and one of the secrets will transfer over to the next thing. But after you beat all the scribes, you go back to the starting area. And something interesting happens. Yeah. So before we get into that, uh, I did want to ask you about some specific card combinations that you found in this act of the game. Uh, I can't honestly remember. You, you can't remember like any specific ones? 
No, um, okay. I kind of, I, I remember using types more than anything. Yeah. I remember using electrical and bones uh, on my second playthroughs a lot. Mm-hmm. And I remember those were way better than uh, Wizard. Wizard can be good once when you figure it out, but it, it takes so much work that I, I didn't think it was worth it. There are a couple of different combinations that I do want to address because these card combinations, you said earlier that the game wants you to take advantage of it and take advantage of your cards and find a way to win with that. But these particular combinations are busted. Like these, these break the game. So I, uh, before I was going to move on from, from this, like chapter, I I thought like, well, there's a training dummy in the magic area. I can use that to try and get this one particular PlayStation trophy that says to try like to do 666 damage, like do an immense amount of damage that is unnecessary to win the game. But I do uh, remember that I looked up, I looked up the the combination for this card, like what you should do. And there are two strategies and so I was like, well, okay, I'll go after this one that uses Aurora Boros, that particular card. So you have to take Pharaoh's Pets, that's one card, and that will let you place Aurora Boros on the board and then sacrifice Aurora Boros and uh, Pharaoh's Pets. But when Aurora Boros dies, he returns to your hand with one extra power and one extra health. So I started doing that through on a podcast and just repeated that over and over and over. And after about, uh, uh, after, um, maybe like 20 minutes, uh, I just got bored and saw that Aurora Boros was up to 125 in health and in, uh, damage. And I was like, well, okay, this card's totally broken, but I, I don't want to have to sit here for another hour to continuously powering this thing up. So the other way is faster. It only takes about 20 minutes. So I did go to the other way and the energy conduits will let you put down an energy conduit on each end of the board. And then you have a a green gem and a stim mage, uh, which lets you buy, you buy power for the stim mage using your energy, but these special energy conduits will let you have unlimited energy. So then you just sit there for a few minutes and tap away at the triangle button until your stim mage reaches 666 power. And then you just hit the training dummy once and get the trophy. I literally went to the bathroom while doing this achievement. (laughs) (laughs) Cause you just hit, keep, keep hitting the triangle button. You don't even have to watch. I still had more to go by the time I was done. (laughs) (laughs) So then like you, you have that done and like keep running around, maybe keep going through fights. I got into another fight against, I I think it was either Magnificus or PO3. And I got Aurora Boros back in my hand and it still said 125 on both the health and damage. Yeah. You have a broken card at that point. I, I have a broken card for the rest of this game. And it, it is pretty much just like, if you get this in your hand, it's a win card. Doesn't matter. N- nothing yeah. else matters. That's it. The game is over. So now you're, you're just kind of like, well, all right, how, let's see if I can last until I pull that card. <laughs> and how can I 
engineer my deck to make it so I can just outlast the opponent until this card comes up. So that's a particularly like broken combination that doesn't just break the card for the rest of that match. It breaks it for the rest of the entire game. Yeah. Which is hilarious. Uh, did you have it turn against you in PO3's boss fight with the conveyor belt? No. So yes, okay. PO, PO3's boss fight I thought was actually really cool because this conveyor belt will make it. I thought so, his was the best. Yeah. Uh, because the, the conveyor belt will uh, make it so you have to be mindful of not playing cards on the far left slot because then those cards will go up to his side and turn against you. Any cards that he plays over on the far right will come to you. So I, I tried not to kill cards on the far right, tried to avoid playing cards on the far left. And then I realized like, oh, it doesn't matter because I've got the Roboros and it's over. That's it. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Magnificus's, yeah. uh his boss fight was interesting because uh, he oh, erases. So annoying. But like, I, I thought this was a, like a really fun puzzle to solve because he, erase, he erases the sigils in all of your cards so they don't have special abilities. And then he replaces them with new ones. So then I, I like fought him once and I thought like, well, wait a second. I need really shitty cards. I need ones that yeah. cost one or cost nothing. And then every time I get them in hand or play them, he's just going to be like, oh, well, let's add a sigil to this card. And now these cards that are either going to die after they attack once, like the skeletons, or are just like, you know, really simple, like gem cards. Suddenly they now have a special ability and can attack. So I, I thought this was like a kind of a brilliant way to rethink, like force you to rethink how you build your deck. That that's a great strategy. I can't remember how I beat him. I just remember I was super frustrated and glad he was over all three times. Did you but, see uh, uh, in, in P03's uh, level in his factory, did you see one of the 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 robots dredge up something that looked like a glitch and put yeah. it on the conveyor belt? Yeah, that, so that like, was cool. I, I w- waited until it went at the end of the conveyor belt, even yeah. though it did nothing. Yeah, it. I followed it all the way through the entire factory and watched it go like through processing, get turned into what should be a card. And it goes all the way through, gets scanned by him. And it's like, well, I thought I, I was going to get something cool. If I, I tried to like pick it up or interact with it along the way on the conveyor belt. And at no point it, it lets you do that. But it's just one of those little Easter eggs that comes back around. Because after you defeat all four of the scribes, you get back to the starting area where their headstones are. And they let you choose which one you want to fight and replace. Who did you think you were going to replace? I was going to replace the wizard. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I I said like, well, I guess I'll replace Gamora because she expects it. She wants me to, right? And so I said like, cool, I'll replace Gamora. I'll be the scribe of the dead. And also I thought like, I know the bone decks the best. So I think I should go with that. Like whatever's going to happen. I think I'll need those. But. But that's not what happens. P03 intervenes and challenges you. I do kind of wonder what the dialogue would have been like if you had just challenged him anyways. Probably nothing would have happened. In one of the playthroughs, I did do that. And I remember it wasn't remarkable. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I can't remember what it said exactly. Yeah. But it wasn't a giant. I think there was a slight nod to it, but it wasn't super 
interesting or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you fight him and fun boss fight. Yeah. Yeah. Halfway through the fight, though, he plays the glitch card that he made in his factory. And yeah. it seems to break the game. But it's not broken. It's actually just how P03 takes over, just like Leshy did. At this point, it it comes back into first-person perspective. Like, it's kind of in the same style of game that the the first part was in with Leshy, but now... I would say it's a little cleaner. Yeah, it is. Because now you're playing against P03 across the table. And he lays out a board with not four lanes of of cards to play in, but five. And this was like a, a change that was like, oh no, here we go. This is monumental. At least that's what I thought. Yeah, <laughs> It's a little reminiscent of a saw trap. You can't <laughs> move this time. You can't. You're like, you, you, can, you can right off the bat? Not not, not right off the bat because you, you try and okay. get up and your character looks yeah. down at their left hand and it's strapped to and the table. Yeah. The theme of this are like robots. There are robot themed cards that are printed on floppy disks and those are the cards that you play. It, it it's energy all the way at this yeah. time, and yeah, uh, yeah, they play on floppy disk, and there's an extra row. So instead of four, there are five. Right, right, and now, uh, like card play is based on uh, your your energy. So you you should have like tried to learn that as best as possible during the last act. Uh, when you 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 had all those options for cards, but now you kind of have to just like really it forces you really to to know how the energy economy works when you're playing this game. There's a holographic screen display that is on the table that's like projected onto the table, and that's how you see your character. And you're moving around this world similar to the the first game that Leshy was having you play but it's not randomly generated and you just move from screen to screen display uh like in the very first Zelda game but you're not moving around on the screen you're just kind of like choosing the space that you're going to and I didn't realize this until like after I I like explored enough of the game but this is the same world structure as the original inscription from act two the it's, funny thing is, yeah, I played this three times, and I didn't realize that till that video you literally sent me yesterday. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> yeah, because like over my head, and it's amazing <laughs> that there are things even I missed, and I platinum the game. Wow. Yeah, because like you, you've got uh, you've got like the one beast type cards up in the northeast. You've got the dead cards that are that they're 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 just like zombie themed robots but they're down in the southeast where the crypt was there's the the magic land which is down in the southwest and the factory area which is up in the northwest but you don't really get to see that you don't have a game map 
you just have to remember like this is like how the the map was laid out in that last game this is what it looks like now and this is instead of it being leshy's vision of what inscription would be this is p03's vision of what inscription is so you kind of laid out how this version's played um and it's again less roguelike you keep your cards this time even if you die when you die you get to sit back to a checkpoint and you might lose the cards you got in between the checkpoint and when you lost but other than that you keep your deck well you keep your deck and, but there's yeah. currency that you use to buy new cards or power up your cards and that currency uh it is just like coins that you get you know from from beating and doing over damage to your yeah, fights. excess damage yeah, excess damage and you drop that where you die and you have to try and make it back to that point to get it back so it is very very light souls like style kind of thing but yeah as far as like it being difficult it's not really that hard at least i didn't find it that hard to do but still like it's kind of that thing of like oh you got to remember where you were so then you can try and get back there and get your your money back there are three main mechanics about this area that are very different uh one is uh you get these one matches that you got to do a certain amount of damage before a certain amount of turns. Otherwise you lose that round and you die and you go back to the checkpoint. Yeah. The third one is the bosses themselves and we'll go over them bit by bit. And then the third one really cool. You get these bounties on you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So you, you got like bounty hunter robots coming after you and, you, it, it's like in Grand Theft Auto where like you get one star and then you can get two stars after another fight and you get more powerful enemies coming after you and then three stars. And these enemies show up in the battles as rogue cards that are super powerful. It's pretty funny how like they just they, they show up and they they have like an introductory speech where they say like, I'm going to like tear you a new one or like uh, I'm going to like kill you. And then I'm going to go start my own uh, diner somewhere in a small town or something. It's yeah. There's it's funny. Like usually really funny kind of Western quips. Cause they're all looking like cowboys. <laughs> yeah. Well, they have to, they're bounty hunters. <laughs> I think they make the, the game, this part of the game very interesting. Cause they can just show up out of nowhere. And yeah. if you get a really tough one, it can really fuck up your game, but yeah. it feels so satisfying when you beat them. Yeah. They also have like a, a speech at the end if they get killed. So it's, it's pretty funny because you're, you're strapped to the table. You're kind of in the same situation as you were in the beginning of the, uh, the very beginning of the game. And then after you've uh, completed a couple of fights, P03 tells you to get up and go get something from another room. And you you actually are allowed to get up from the table and go explore the area around you. It's now just not one single room like in Leshy's cabin. It is uh, a factory with a few rooms and like some other puzzles to solve. Yeah, uh, it's not that much bigger, uh, I would say. Uh, the only thing that really sticks out uh, at first is you're like, oh, it's that cuckoo clock again, just slightly different. Yeah. Somehow not digital. And, uh, you get the thing. I think there's like a couple of, uh, puzzles you can solve for extra things as well. Yeah. Um, for extra items. 
and items are totally different in this version. Uh, like one will totally uh, screen wipe both boards, which can harm you, but also harms them. I yeah. can't remember much of what else one gives you an extra energy. There's another uh, one that adds uh, it adds shielding to all of the cards that are in play. That's right. Yeah, all of all of your cards. That is not all cards, but just your cards. You mentioned the cuckoo clock, and you can oh, yeah. go over. And if you remember the times that were important uh, from the from Leshy's thing, uh, what you could do is just change the the hands on the clock to to try and match those. So if you change the hands back to eleven o'clock again, the bird pops out and you get something to use, like it's a new card. That's great. You could also rearrange the the hands to other locations, just by accident. I switched it because I was I was on the way trying to move the hands to eleven o'clock. I moved the hands to four o'clock on the way, and yeah. out pops from the cuckoo clock Aurora Boros, and now it is the Aurora Bot. It is pretty much the the same card from the second act of the game. And I thought to myself, oh, that's right. So you have this. I, I looked at it. I looked at it and it's like, okay, well, this is the Aurora bot, like five health, five power card. So that's pretty good. I think I'll, I'll try and use that. And then I asked, why does it have the number 12 above those? <gasps> oh my God. It's 125 still. <laughs> it's the, the game could not fit the entire number of those in its own like display. And so like it, it had to like wrap around to the top. And I, I was just like, Oh my God, it's the win card. I, and I, I got it by accident down the line. I was when wondering you, you're supposed to, so. you're, you're supposed to get this card at like near the end of the game. And I just accidentally stumbled upon it. And also yeah. the damage and health have carried over from my, my failed attempt at trying to get the 666 damage way back at, earlier. And now I've just got this busted card again, carried over from act two to act three. That makes a lot of sense. Cause it seemed <laughs> like you were struggling with act one and act two. And then with act three, you're like done in two days. And I was like, yeah, how did he do that so fast? Oh, and now I know you got a cheat card. <laughs> I did. I did. And then I said like, oh, this card is busted already. I wonder if I can break it even more because you have to remember, like, this is how the game works. When you play this card down and it does damage and it does over damage, meaning it does more than enough to tip the scale for you to win, you get whatever's left over in terms of damage as currency. That yeah. means when I win, I get yeah, probably you just maxed out the currency. I get a hundred dollars. I get a hundred dollars every time I win. And the things in the shops cost like eight dollars. Yeah, like they're not expensive. Twenty bucks at most. So I, I immediately like just was like, okay, well, I'm gonna start fighting, and if I can use this card, I'm using it. That's it. And then like I, I get a hundred dollars for winning. That's great. Go to the shops. And one of the items that you can buy is something that adds special powers to whatever cards you want. And the special powers that are available are like three to choose from each time and they're random. So sometimes you might have one that resurrects uh, when a card dies, it goes back to your hand or it's like a, a sniper bot. So it lets you uh, like choose which lane to shoot at every time. 
I just went in there and I said, I'm going to break the Aurora bot even more. I added the, like, I think it already had the resurrect ability to it. So every time it died, it just came back to your hand. I added yeah. the sniper ability to it. So it didn't matter where so I you played can it. shoot wherever you want. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't matter where I played it. It just shot an, an open space and I won whatever match it like didn't matter. The match, the matches did not matter now. Uh, and then I gave it the double gunner. So now it shoots twice. <laughs> so it's like, okay, well, whatever it is, I'm going to shoot that open space twice and the game's over. Or maybe I'll shoot this. I'll shoot this one bot. That's really annoying. And then the game's over because it's going to shoot a second time in the same spot because shooting something with 125 damage, it's, there's no way it's going to survive. No. <laughs> so, so I did that. And then I kept getting more and more money that I just started throwing sigils onto other cards that I had and getting myself more broken cards. Like the, yeah. the double gunner, I gave it, uh, like a, a double, double strike and the sniper ability. So now instead of it shooting in two different directions and it not shooting straight in front of itself, I made it so it could shoot in front of itself and, you know, it could defend itself really well. You know, there, there were others. It's kind of like, Oh, this one uh, has a shield. So it doesn't matter how much damage it takes on that first hit. It doesn't take any damage. I, I, I really felt like I cheated the game <laughs> and made it super easy for myself. Yeah, you know, at the same time, I, I just felt hilarious doing it. it. It's one of those self-rewarding things. But uh, did any of the bosses give you trouble because of their weird mechanics? I could imagine one did. They were like puzzles, but really, no, I, I didn't have a terrible time. Like I, I would fight them and maybe like I'd lose like one or two times just because I, I didn't know what was going to happen. But when you lose, you just go back to the start of the fight and that's it. Yeah. Which one did you, did you go for first? I can't remember which one I went for first, but there is one that definitely sticks out and I hinted at it earlier. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So the one that I went for first was down in the Southeast. It was Gormora's crypt. And that was the, the librarian or the, Oh, it's called the archivist. And this one sends out a bunch of librarian cards. They're enemy cards that have uh, some good power on them. But when you kill them, the game has you choose a file from the hard drive. And the bigger the file it is, the more damage you do to the boss. And so this is this is, this is the one that you were trying to warn about earlier. Right? Yeah, it will literally show that file on screen whatever it is <laughs> and so if and you're it'll measure the kilobytes and gigabytes on it and give it a certain power based on that i can't remember what it is exactly but yeah just the bigger the file the the beefier the attack yeah the more damage um, so if you're playing this on pc it reads your own files which is specifically your own PC, which is very creepy. Like it, it reads your own it, files on, on your PC and it, it's not malware. It's not spyware, but it's a game that is reading your, your, your information. And yes, it, as you alluded to, if you have something slightly, uh, slightly lewd mm-hmm. or, or that you want to keep secret from somebody, 
maybe not play it on this play this game. So yeah, uh, or stream it. <laughs> so I mean, you can play yeah. it just fine. Yeah. But the other thing is, when it turns your card into a file, if you lose that file, uh, it'll delete that file. Yeah. Like it, it. It says that like you know we are going to for real. We are going to sacrifice one of your files. Choose one. Uh, to, to sacrifice or to use. And then once you play that, that card that has, you know, originally been one of your files, it says, if you lose this card, you, we will delete this. And that technically, yes, is considered malware. Uh, because I (laughs) think, I think they changed it where it'll just go in your recycling bin. Okay. Not just straight up delete. Okay. Cause I've also read that, uh, it will create another file with that same name and then pretend to delete it or say like, oh, I wasn't able to delete this. Please delete it when you have the chance. And yeah, then it'll, I never it'll lost ask you my file. So okay. I got so I'm not fully sure what happened. So I had to look it up. Yeah, I think and I could be wrong, but people legit complained. Where's my <laughs> file at one point? Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. There's the photographer who is in Leshy's forest area, they have cards that transform into beasts. So it's like they go into beast mode. His boss fight is where you can take a picture of the board, which will then revert the state of it to before your cards were killed or before when he played a bunch of enemy cards. And that's how you just wipe the board clean of anything problematic or you restore the cards that he killed. That was a mechanic that I was like, this is really cool. It, it was cool. It was also a little confusing, but I got through for, uh, it each time. No problem. Yeah. It, it's one of those, you got to experience it to like understand fully w- what we're talking about on yeah. that one, I would say. It's kind of like, okay, well, like you have this special ability that just lets you turn time back and you just have to remember like, okay, what's a good point that I want to revert to if things go sideways? And I should take a picture of the board right now so that I can save it for later. Then there's uh, the unfinished boss in Magnificent Tower. Uh, that's the the magic one. It has you choose the rules for this match. That this are, is are the, like the hardest boss in the game. Yeah, I, I felt like this is the one that that gave me the most trouble. Where you you kind of have to keep in mind, like, okay, what am I going to deal with in terms of these rules? And you have to pick and choose them on the fly. So like, you know, one of them for an example is like every time you play a card, his cards get armored or all cards lose Your one cards, health. Yeah. So, and this stacks in ridiculous ways. Yeah. Yeah. There, ways there's that you can't see coming. There's one because like they have two parts that you choose independently, but there's yeah. one option that just says you lose. And so like you could accidentally choose, you could choose that from one, like whatever ridiculous reason. And so like the rule is just when you start a turn, you lose. And it's like, well, why, what's the point of this? So that's, that's just one hilarious trap that is there for you to, to accidentally uh, step in. But then the last one is Golly and she is in P03's factory. She connects online and pulls avatars and names from your friends list to use as cards. An example was like one card that that she had played 
was called uh, Antony 86 and it had uh, his picture uh, from like my friends list on there. So it was a, a card that was called Antony 86 and it had a picture of John Marston from Red Dead Redemption like coming at me and and fighting against me. That was pretty weird. Was there anything notable on PC or different on PC? I can't remember on PC, but I specifically three or four times it would not connect to the internet properly on console. Huh. And I had to restart this fight. Oh no. It, yeah. Does it just like force you to restart if it can't connect? It just says waiting, waiting forever. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I was getting really fed up <laughs> by the fourth time, but it finally connected, gave me something to beat and yeah. uh, I was able to finish it. And it was bizarre. Mm-hmm. It, I couldn't figure out what was going on. Huh. So okay. something to look. F- yeah, there might be a guide or something that will help you with this if you run in that p- problem. Okay. Okay. So after you beat just one of those bosses, you get a third video set when like the, the battery dies in the camera and Luke has to change it out. This yeah. is where things get weird. Yeah. Again. So again. <laughs> so like the first video that is of note is of him in, in his car. He just bought the, the car, the card pack that had the coordinates on it. So this is happening before he opened it up. Um, then another one shows him calling the woman that he bought the cards from and asking to speak with her daughter who had those cards because he, he wanted to learn more about the, this disc and the game that was on it. She explains that her daughter, Casey had died a long time ago. And Ka- Casey's a name that kept popping up throughout the game. Yeah. Like her name is on one of the uh, one of the the gravestones in Gramora's crypt. It it's also seen. It's an original yeah. death card in the first area. Yeah, it, it's it's creepy because also some of the the other videos show Luke researching Casey's death, and it sounds like he's starting to get haunted by something. But then that video of him at night is is really creepy because. Uh, he's like laying in bed and he says someone's in his house. Yeah. He's, he's under the covers and he's like, someone is in my house and you can hear it in the background. Yeah. And he says that his phone is in the kitchen and he doesn't have any way to, to like call police or anything. Someone is here. in the other room, so if I die before I can call 911 and use this tape as evidence. There is one last video in that set that looks like it's corrupted, but for about a split second, you see a piece of paper with a line of code on it, and within that line of code, there are other words like mycologist and blood and like that they're they're like strings of numbers and stuff that's a cipher for something else that we can talk about later but this part i warned you on like hey man if there are is anything you feel like you need to write down Mm -hmm. don't worry about it yeah yeah because i i screenshot this the first time thinking this will be a puzzle in the game and I'm so glad it wasn't. I'm so <laughs> glad this was an extra thing because this seemed really cryptic yeah. as hell. Yeah. 
I took I, I took out my phone and I screenshotted it anyways, but we'll save that for very later. But um, as long as we are going right now, uh, there's a lot to, to cover. So like you've beaten these four and you start to make your way back to the starting area, just like you did in uh, the previous version. And before you do, P03 says, oh, no, a security camera is out. Uh, can you go fix it? So he asks you to get up and go to another room in the factory and go fix this security camera. To get there, you have had to solve a few puzzles that are pretty much CAPTCHA tests like you have on websites. And so like you have to prove that you're not a robot by like saying like, okay, well, what numbers are in this screen? And then you have to type them in. There's there's others that are like, you know, point out all the stoplights. And it made me laugh a little bit, but you get to the last one and solve that the floor drops out from under you slowly, like it's an elevator and you go down into the basement where the other three scribes are hanging out. It's Grimora, Leshy and Magnificus just like hiding out in the basement of this factory. And they tell you P03 needs to be stopped. And we, we have to distract him. So you keep playing and we will take care of him. The, the, this moment, I was just kind of like, oh, shit, it's going down. But like you get back to the, the table, you keep playing with P03. And he tells you that you think you've won, but I've actually been using you to upload myself as inscription to the Internet. And all the the Uber bots, the bosses that you've been fighting have been tools to help me build this online version of inscription. Like the, let's see, the archivist was reading the files off your computer to to then like build a, a file base. The photographer was using the screenshots that you took uh, during the boss fight to create the store page. And then uh, you ha- you helped me connect online by using Golly and uh, Golly, that boss fight just allowed me to, to connect and pull information. And now I'm going to upload myself into the web and I'm going to live forever as inscription online. Yeah. And th- that was kind of a weird thing because the the big part is like, isn't that right, Luke? And the dude hacks into <laughs> the dude's webcam yeah. and puts his face in the moment, in the yeah. freaking moment on screen. And he is like, he's like, shit. Oh, oh no. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just when everything is about to go awry. Yeah. Leshy <laughs> just grabs him from behind and like pulls his head off. Yeah. <laughs> Like you, you just see Leshy's hands come out from the dark behind P03 and he just tears the head off. And it, it was it was like, whoa, that was OK. Thanks, dude. Like <laughs> we just had yeah. one one villain just take out another. That's great. Then the, the three scribes stand around. They talk for a minute to try and figure out what's going to happen next. And Grimora takes out the, the hammer that you use to destroy cards on the table if you need to. And takes the file that is inscription and hits it with the destruction hammer, which pretty much deletes the entire game. Yeah. This is the first time I played this part. I literally went, are you doing this again? Cause what happens is Grimora's area loads up and yeah. you're just like, I'm in, I'm 
enjoying this game, but I kind of want it to end. But you find out quickly, oh, it it's actually doing that. Yeah, because it like is, over it, in the corner, there is a, a progress bar that shows the the deletion of everything of all the files. And so you play one last round. You play one single round with Grimora who has her own card deck and her own style of, of layout. So I imagine that it could be planned that you could have the Grimora's campaign as DLC, but in this case, it was just one single match that has its own aesthetic. Someone's actually made a mod where you can play a full version of that. Oh, nice. Okay. Okay. But on Steam, of course. Yeah. And, and like her, her board layout is, it's not like, like a scroll like Lushy had or like a, a hologram, like P03 had hers is like a chessboard and you have pieces that move around the board. And if they bump into each other, that's when a fight starts. You have that, that match. And then it doesn't matter who wins or loses. You just shake hands and have it over. And then yeah, you, you it have goes that, super quickly. Yeah. You have a, a then you have a match Leshy. With, with Leshy. And this one was kind of heartfelt because it felt like you were like the closest with him. But you have a match against him, and I lost that match. And then he said, let's not keep score. Let's just keep playing and enjoy the time together. That was really heartfelt. I, I really, uh, that re- that hit me pretty well. I, I loved that. It felt like you were talking to someone on their sickbed. Yeah. On yeah. their bed. I said, like, you know what? To hell with who wins and who loses. This, let's just enjoy it. So then as as you're playing, you start to see stuff get deleted and just disappear from the board and after almost everything's gone it kind of just forces you to stop playing and so you're not playing your cards anymore you're just kind of staring at an empty table and he reaches across the screen with one hand and you shake his hand and that's it so then you know you've you've played against two of the the remaining scribes magnificus is the only one left and you play against him and his board or his state is like the most outlandish where you've got like this slab of stone that you can like pull your cards from when you play a card out it creates an entire character model of a wizard or a crystal or whatever it is that you played out and they they have i have a question for you yeah do you know what this is referencing i heard it on uh one of the videos i sent you this is referencing a Yu-Gi-Oh battle okay so, in case of you don't know, Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, anime back in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, and it, it literally was, what if card games sort of came to life? And, oh, cool. Uh, y- this is uh, a 100% of Yu-Gi-Oh! battle, because they use this same thing to play their cards on, like they do in the TV show on one season. Okay. And your okay. things, your cards come to life that way. And then slowly, bit by bit... This one takes way too long, in my opinion, but everything does delete, and it's the trippiest deletion uh, in the game. They saved the weirdest one for mm-hmm. last. Yeah, it's also one of the one of the saddest because Magnificus is constantly saying that he's not ready to die. Uh, I, yeah. I don't want to go, and he's at the very end desperate after everything starts to to disappear he's desperate to just reach out and shake your hand and he's too slow to do it and yeah he's the only one you don't do it with other than p03 yeah but he he just like falls down dead and 
uh, and then disappears. And it's kind of like, well, like I wish he had like come to this, this conclusion sooner and, and actually wanted to, to like embrace the end after all that's gone. You then have a white screen and, you know, I, I waited for a second and then realized like, well, what if I do anything? And when I moved the the joystick, uh, my character from the original inscription came back on screen and then you could move around. You go to another screen and the trader is there again. And she she's the woodcarver who was giving you wood carvings in the first act against Leshy. And uh, she says, everything's almost gone. There's only the old data that's left. And I I would urge you not to look at it, but you are not the only thing to do. You are not going to heed my warnings and I know you'll look. And so, you know, you're like, okay, cool. Like whatever it is, how bad can it be? Or like, what is it? And so you can go to another screen and have your character go look at this glitchy icon and whatever it is, it, it is like some, some sort of like file bank that pops up on screen and that a bunch of like messages that say redacted on it. And, you know, then you hear, you hear screaming and you then get a, a glitchy looking video of Luke trying to smash the game disc with a hammer. Yeah. And this video ends with like someone knocks on his door. He goes to answer the door and yell at whoever's there. The door flies open and it's Amanda she shoots him in the head and then goes in and takes the disc and leaves. And the last thing you see is Luke's like dead, dead body on the floor bleeding out. That's how the game ends. Yep. Rolls credits. You know, ending, ending as the rest of it is just with a, what the fuck moment, like such a shock and, and a way to end like this, this game that had like a very moving ending to it just suddenly takes a turn and now ends with more questions. Like I said, it rolls credits and you are just left there. Like what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, what were your thoughts on like when that happened? It's like, uh, I guess like the company demand, like needed that disc back to cover this up and that that's it. Like they, they just needed this back. So they sent that, that agent back to the house to take it. And at first I thought like, well, wait a second, going, going back to like other what the fuck moments, like uh, in this game, there was one where you find uh, a file during P03's chapter and this file has messages on it and it like, it's a picture of Casey. And she said like, oh, like this is me with my best friend. When we went to the card gaming convention, here we are, like we had such a great time. And the person that she's with looks like Luke. And so at that moment, I messaged you and said, like, what the hell is going on? Because this guy looks like Luke. Like, what is this? And then, like, you said, like, well, this game pulls pictures from your hard drive. So it's going to, like, look like whoever is is on your computer and make you think that you are the one that knew Casey. But also, like, the character that that is at the end, I thought, looks like Casey in the picture. And so I, I thought, like, did Casey just show up at Luke's house and kill him and then take the disc? But no, that character's name is Amanda. And she possibly is working for a company that 
created another one of Daniel Mullen's games, the actual maker of Inscription. But uh, that game was called The Hex. And it's possible that Amanda, the agent, was possessed by the villain from The Hex. That might be why her acting is really wooden. At least that you can yeah. you know, logically say it's like, oh, well, like that's why she's she's acting weird. The game doesn't tell you any no. of this. Game does not tell you any of this. It's just that like there's a flash of that pixelated villain's face on screen in in her face just for a second. That's the only clue there is. But you had sent me a video after I finished it that explained that ending. So there's it doesn't and, and like, just explain the ending. Mm-hmm. Going back to that uh, uh, that one bit with the uh, the numbers. Yeah, this explains. There is an ARG element to this game that you don't need to do, but uh, actually you can't do it. It's already been solved. (laughs) Yeah. But you can look online and figure out this mystery went hard. It did. Like a a great example is they actually buried a disc in the exact location said in the game. Yeah. Which happens to be held a clue. Yeah. That happens to be Stanley Park up in, in Vancouver. Uh, it's a very nice place. I've actually walked around that area uh, a couple of times. It's it's a really nice part of Vancouver. So highly recommend checking that out if you're just on vacation there. But it, it's it's amazing how intricate this went and how how much is buried here that you can uncover if you go looking for it. Yeah, and like I said, the mystery's been solved long mm-hmm. time ago. Yeah, uh, go watch videos on it, and you'll be just blown away by the work. So many people like a community literally had to come together and yeah. help solve this thing. They, they, they had to like p- pick apart different parts of Mullins's other games. There was like a prototype version of inscription that was created at a game jam that he hid clues in. There's that one screenshot of that line of code that you see. That's another part of the entire larger puzzle. It's ridiculous how deep this this goes and and how elaborate it got but also just amazing how people came together and solved it yeah and i can't even remember the conclusion myself so go look at it uh, <laughs> if you're all interested and we've been going for over two hours and we still have one part of the game <laughs> we gotta talk about so after you and- beat the game you have uh, a mod to the game called casey's mod can you explain that really quick Okay, so Casey's mod is Leshy's part of the game. And what this is, is you get one starting deck to start off with, and you just play the first part of the game. No puzzles or anything of that nature. You just play the roguelike game. And each time you win, you get this set of challenges to add to it. Like start a game each round with uh, one less health. I can't remember them all, but um, there's like uh, your your backpack can only hold two items instead of three. Uh, three. Another one was like yeah. um, like the boss gets its own sigils, so like the the boss fights have special oh, abilities, yeah. and and then you can stack these challenges together for for even more of a challenge. This is where I spent most of my time actually, because I platinum this game. Yeah. In order to platinum it, you need to have gotten all the starter decks. And then beat one time with all the challenges. And it is so, so hard to do. Oh, man. Okay. How do you unlock new decks? 
Uh, you just unlocked new decks by just progressing. Okay. You got to beat Leshy with an old uh, deck you already used, along with certain chal- uh, certain number of challenges uh-huh. already done. A really good. Oh, I forgot uh, one really cool mechanic about this game. So there's a card called the Ringworm. Yeah, yeah. And a Ringworm literally seems like a scroll that costs one. So it literally seems counterintuitive. Like, what am I supposed to do with this zero damage, one defense <laughs> that costs one? Well, there's uh, one thing in the game where you can upgrade cards health or attack, and it's a campfire. And Leshy is like, ooh, these strangers that are around a campfire and your creature, man, it could... Uh, it gets a freebie of a uh, plus one health or a plus two or, or a plus two health plus one attack, and you have a chance to go for another. Yeah. The second time, it it's like a 50-50 whether or not you get the bonus or they immediately eat your card and you don't have any. Yeah. It's it's hilarious when that happens, when when they do kill your card. Uh, the the save icon immediately pops up on screen, so it's yep, like you like, can't save it, no. this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and, and and the funny thing is, well, you can keep the bones, and they give you four bones. Yeah, but with a ringworm, if they eat your ringworm, next time you go to a campfire, those guys aren't around. Yeah, so you get two free upgrades immediately. Yeah. And yeah. that is one of the starter decks. And you're like, I get this. Because there are hidden mechanics mm-hmm. in some of those cards yeah. that you don't realize. And they are really cool. But the uh, the weirdest one, so the final uh, starter deck, you get these three eggs. And you're like, what am I supposed to do with these? I'm going to try and explain this the best I can. So there are different types of beast. You also have health and attack per card. In order to get these things to hatch, your deck needs one of each kind of beast, and it needs one card with one attack, two attack, three attack, and I think it goes up to six. And then the same with health. And once when you get all those together, you get what's called a hydra. Oh, a Hydra is a one five thing, but it attacks five different times. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Broken as shit, and it is so cool. (laughs) But it is so hard to unlock. Okay. Okay. (laughs) And uh, there's also a secret boss in uh, Casey's mod. Uh, Leshy's moon gets replaced with a ghost pirate ship that has 80 health. And can like destroy one of your cards with a cannon automatically. Ironically, it can help you a little by dropping skeletons on your side, mm-hmm. but those skeletons will die in uh, after one use, whether they get hit or not. Okay. Yeah. So that's basically Casey's mod. Uh, anything you want to add to it? I, I think that just like how, with how simple this game looks like it's, it is like how it starts it's incredible how deep it, it goes with its mystery and what you can discover. Yeah. That the, the big draw of the game is like going from what the hell is going on <laughs> to even going more, what the hell is going on. And 
you still need a YouTube video or two to fully understand what the hell went on yeah. at the end of it. With like, you know, hidden buried in inscription are uh, Russian military secrets and also uh, a possible computer virus that was once a video game that has now become sentient. So it is is pretty wild uh, as far as the game goes. And I really appreciate that you picked it. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, played it. Yeah. And uh, I, sounds like you had a great time. I did. I did. I did. Okay. Well, Jordan, uh, remind us where people can find you. Just like for a finished game review on Spotify. I'm not sure if it's on other podcast services. Okay. If, I'm not sure if I did everything right, but Spotify for sure. And uh, yeah, uh, hopefully Valkyrie Chronicles will be out by the time this is out. Um, we've had recording issues. We tried to record an episode a few weeks ago. Didn't work out. Oh, okay. Uh, so the things are delayed, but I think in a day or two, I'm getting on track on that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Again, thank you for joining me. For anyone listening, again, please like and subscribe wherever you are listening to this. It really helps our our listenership. Thank you for listening to this long episode of the PlayStation Plus Game Club. And please remember, have a great day and have fun playing around.